Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series, which has been an ongoing segment where we featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform in which caring people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort, with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Welcome to my good friend, Jake Merriman. It's really an honor and a pleasure to have you on Rebels of the Heart, man. Thanks for having me, Derek. It's good to be here. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me, me too. And I mean, this is a uh, We've had many, many deep conversations on these topics, and, but this is the first one I think that we've put down on the public record. So this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a good one. So I, I, I mean, I'll just say you've been very influential in my influential in my life on this work. So it's going to be fun to highlight your thought leadership and your heart on the topic. So, um, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about Jake and the story of you and how you know you know the concept of being able to heart the idea that yeah intersecting people's highest potential and actualization and for lack of a better term, a spiritual journey in the context of business. That's a lot of what we're doing. How has that, how has that been part of your core identity experience through this life's path? Uh, and you can take that where you want. I know a little bit about it so you can go wherever yeah. you want. Well, as, as you know, that's near and dear to my heart though. Yeah. I suppose that's why we're here. Yeah, I, I cut my teeth in the medical device industry, much like you in, in sales. This is back in the day where uh, things were really fun in that world, and you could take doctors out to dinner and ski trips, and it was, it was kind of a, a party waiting to happen, and a lot of good things. You know, I learned a lot of good things in that, but I found myself feeling like it was spiritually barren in that world, even though it was fun and enjoyable and lucrative. Um, something was just genuinely missing, um, and you might remember I found my way to, to Tony Robbins and mm-hmm. spent some time with his organization, and then. I still didn't quite find what I was looking for. It's like the, you know, here's the rebellious nature. It's like, you know, what's, what's my thing within the greater context of humanity? Um, Joe, Joe Polish, who you know too, uh, mentioned, yeah, you should, you should just start your own thing and just get out there and go now. So I started a coaching company back in 2010. I was focused on millennial real estate agents. So. Uh, just this niche, if you want to help people, you know, feed a starving crowd. This is, you know, right after the mini recession we had. So a lot of people were struggling and I had all of these people to start coaching. I was in the greater New York City, city area and I spent the majority of my free time going to different spiritual meetups, transformational meetups, going to seminars, leadership programs, and just pouring into my own education. I had a half a terabyte at the time, which has become much more than that of different trainings and seminars from over the years that I gathered from different people. We'd share content like, hey, I'll give you this seminar to give me this seminar. Um, and so I really poured into myself during the first few years of being an entrepreneur. I was mainly focusing on my intellectual growth and my spiritual growth. And um, eventually that turned into a company, which I found, it was a couple of their people called Epic Impact, which later was rebranded as Abundant. And that's where I met you actually in 2014. It would have been August of 2014 where we had that immersion together. And um, 
Yeah, it was focused on helping millennial entrepreneurs and leaders grow themselves personally, professionally, and spiritually, developing leadership skills, which eventually turned into an organization that mainly focused on sales leaders. We helped um, produce the top salesperson at Salesforce, Microsoft, Bloomberg, Square, et cetera, and really just niched down that company and eventually sold it because I found a special meditation teacher and you know, through the years, like that's been my main thing. My spiritual practice has really become and um, you know the the highest priority of my life and my central organizing principle of how I organize everything. So when you know when we're talking about rebels with the heart, um, I like to think about two things. One, there's the rebellious nature of like charting your own course and standing out. But there's also the fitting in part. You know, the, you know, any any time there's one side of something, it's missing the other side. The other side would be fitting in to to humanity and like, where do you bring the most value, the most gifts, the most contribution? And so I found the more I did work on myself, the more I realized, well, my highest value is just spirituality, and that's where I fit in. That's where I bring the most value. That's where I can contribute to humanity the most. So if you have sold that company in. Um, it was 2008 and just doubled down on my spiritual practice and developed more skills and learning and path structures and competencies and built some tools myself that I now share with others. Um, but that's like really the, that's the journey right there. So finding my true North really came from um, not fitting in, wanting to fit in, searching for something that just didn't exist. And then figuring out that if, I wanted to see that exist, that I was it. I had to manifest that. I had to create the thing that I wanted to see that I didn't see out there. Yeah. And that's so, been my story. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that so openly. And, and I, it's a really nice summary that you talked about standing out and fitting, or finding where you fit in and then mm-hmm. that harmony and that presence together. Because I do think that's a big, the dichotomy of that is part of the whole Rebels of the Heart framework. Exactly. You, yeah. You yeah. So, Knowing you as I do, and the words that you chose specifically about creating, what do you see now that you are creating through this journey of development discovery that you've been on and through leadership of yourself, leadership of others, through your level of service and contribution I know is a priority? How is that now being, how is that converging in, in the present day? And what do you see? Mm-hmm. How, what are you building now? Because I know that's, an, that's something you've been, I'll call it, probably term, meditating on for the last few years. <laughs> Uh, true. What true. really, really, what is 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 meant to be, you know, coming into existence next in your life? Yeah. So I've been allowing the synthesis of where my spiritual practice meets what the marketplace is wanting really inform that. Yeah. So the way I've been doing that is just allowing the right people to show up at the right time. Most of these people are world servers, CEOs, um, impact investors, those types of folks, and helping them be more spirit-centric in their leadership. Mm. So spirit ultimately is the organizing principle for everything, whether we're conscious of it or not. It's already doing its job. So the most efficient, effective way for us to flourish is to become in harmony with that organizing principle anyhow. So I like to point out that there's a hidden order but there's an obvious disorder. Like a lot of people can see the disorder out there and be like, oh, this is happening, this is happening, and we're not okay. But then there's also this hidden order. And when you start to see the hidden order, 
it's not so scary to see that there's um, entropy happening because there's also innovation happening and that ends up bringing things together. So what is it about? So I agree, obviously, and so we've talked at length about this and we continue, we will continue to, but what is it about right now and back to this hidden order? And when you see these CEOs, these impact makers, these dreamers, like whatever you want, like, mm-hmm. Why are they all like? What's pulling people now? Like, why? What is spirit, probably return asking for the context of these? Because these are these are people who have influence. They have resources. They have abilities, and yet there's a you know I was talking with another friend earlier. There's a there's a a bubbling in the in the sphere of the influence of the of the ether of the people of the collective of like what's being called forward. Like, what is that about? In your in I was your just having a conversation with the, the CEO this morning about this. And he's like, you know, I used to be a little bit afraid of all things spiritual because these people seemed like they couldn't really create their lives. And, you know, there's spiritual people out there that just seem like they're not necessarily doing well. Operate different places. Yeah, exactly. So this is kind of a time and a place where there's been a convergence where the people who've been a little bit more biased towards, let's just call it the spiritual intelligence of things and less of an affinity for the earthly types of things. Um, there's a balance between that. When you find people in business, these are people who are committed to the earthly things. So, and it just happens to be a ripening where there's enough people who are willing to and able to developmentally synthesize these two competencies where you used to have to kind of go off in a cave and meditate to get to these states of consciousness, but there's enough of a a substrate, enough of teachings and intelligence with spiritual competencies where we can now bring this into more grounded routes mm-hmm. um, that where you can start to see where you apply certain spiritual technologies and understand what's truly handy, understanding the nature of reality. You can understand your PNL a little bit better. You can understand uh, what will help revenue increase. And you start to see that it's all energy. It's matter and it's energy simultaneously. There's another pair of opposites. Yeah. So, when founders can start to see that there's more than used to meet just their left brain, which is really important if you want to be a highly functioning business person, you want to have a really strong left brain, but then you start to synthesize the right brain too and creativity, which a lot of people are talking about with mindfulness. Now you have clear intuition and you can even have clear seeing and clear sentience and clear vision. Yeah. And that's a really interesting tool for um, CEOs and leaders. Yeah. So I'm glad we're going to keep going down that path in a minute, but I want to come back to something you said earlier in your in your story, right? Because part of the framework of Rebels with the Heart, we're working within the context of the broader business capital community, not just yeah. startups, but all companies, Fortune 100, yeah. massive organizations, the the quote unquote the the established force of 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 the earthly presence, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that in your journey, you've worked with top performing sales producers at some of the biggest yeah. companies in the world. Yeah. What was the shift that you saw? Because I know I know these people, some of them personally. Yeah, true. What was the shift that they went through in the same lens where they were transforming their interactions with, or, or maybe transforming or just integrating these different intelligence together to get a, for lack of a better term, a quantum shift in their outcomes, knowing, you know, yep. and yeah, I mean, just speak to that. That's it. Well, I want to just double click on their motivation. <laughs> so when I see this remember their specific specifically that cohort of salespeople their motivation on one hand was to produce more sales and to excel yeah. and achieve yeah but at another level there was a longing for a deeper level of authenticity 
and a deeper level of wanting to know themselves. Um, Because in the old world of sales, it was a little bit of a facade. You like you show your pride and never show anything that's shameful or not so great about your product. You just you show a one sided reality to your customer. And people are able to sniff that out today. And so the greatest salespeople today have open hearts and they cultivate a tremendous capacity for trust. And a transaction isn't just a transaction of of money for a product. It's a relationship that's built and it's built on trust. And if there's some objectivity in a salesperson, which means a clear mind and a stable mind, then there's a long-term relationship between that customer and the company. So I found that there's like this deep longing for these people to know themselves because they might've learned a way of being that was slightly inauthentic to get the job done. And then they realize they can produce even more results by being truly who they are that cultivates more trust. I mean, that was truly the the growth period that a lot of these people went through. Yeah. So I guess what's fascinating to observe, you know, you're, you know what you're describing is that it wasn't that they necessarily were learning something new. It already was who they were, but they were unlearning certain aspects of who they had become or who they thought they needed to be in the context of, the, of a a different model of business, right? And the reason why I, bring, I frame it that way is because back to Rebels of the Heart, I believe that those people, there's millions of them around the mm-hmm. world in companies that are better. And part of what's been shaken up, for lack of a better term, over the last couple of years because of the pandemic is people are asking these same questions in, yeah. in a, at a mass level. Like, what what is it? What am I here for? What does it really matter? What are we doing together? What are we building? What's important? How does this affect generations of human beings? How do we how do we make changes quickly and we rewrite things? Right? That's all the stuff that we're doing and has been shown to be possible mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And yet now we have this friction to your point is ent- some things are falling away and like disrupting, mm-hmm. like truly disorienting people. At the same time, yeah. there's massive space for us to all step into and create something fascinatingly new, better, and and more abundant, right? What is that? You agree with that fundamentally? Yeah. I do. And, you know, on one side of things, like the the establishment, let's just say like the majority of Fortune 100 or 500 companies can absolutely benefit from this as opposed to, um, you know, traditionally, like in times like this, small companies become big, big companies become small, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the case. think of the majority of companies, if they're really open to, um, let's just say, optimal culture, yeah, that they can genuinely flourish in times like these. And it would be to not be afraid of disruption, but to see that creation and destruction are a pair of opposites and innovation is going to happen at the synthesis. And if you really want to be in business long-term, it really comes down to flourishing in two areas, innovation and marketing. So, I mean, you know, Warren Buffett's always going to invest in in the um, ketchup and mustard company, you know, and and because people are going to use ketchup and mustard for a really long time, and there's a long term trajectory on that. Yet, majority of where new revenue is going to come from and new innovation is going to come from, and where people are genuinely like where the true rebels with hearts, they want to be in part of an organization that has innovation happening, not so much and so extreme that. Um, you know, it needs to destroy the status quo, but we can genuinely make the status quo and elevate the status quo. Small businesses or big businesses can work together on that. Let's back to that same concept. Why rep, why name Rebels with the Art specifically was chosen for that reason? It's this, it's, it's just quote unquote destroying, but with love, right? There's a way to do, there's a way to un, to, to 
pull away and still and do it delicately, right? To do it with a level of attention that allows for multiple, like it's, it's pruning a rose bush, right? As opposed to like exactly difference than exactly, yeah. You know I mean? And grafting it, you know, you might graft it a little bit and put a, put a new, you know, colored rose on it. So yeah, that can totally flourish. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so to that point. You know, as as the visionary that I know you are, when you talk about flourishing, right? What do you see? What do you see out there in terms of the possibilities for, you know, what does human flourishing look like? What does business flourishing look like? What does this rewritten kind of agreement, for like a term, look like between organizations and people and communities? Like, what's possible when we think about education and children emerging into a new system? What's possible as we look at you know, generational shifts and, and financial wealth and means like, what, what do you see? I mean, these are the things I observe, but what do you see? Well, I believe the greatest opportunity is a paradigm shift in leadership from creating and generating results from stress to genuinely focusing on the substrate, the energy and intelligence and mindset and psychology of flourishing is to genuinely focus on there's an energy and intelligence to flourishing. How does it feel intrinsically? What are we experiencing intrinsically? How do we define flourishing intrinsically? And then how do we define it extrinsically to the bottom line or to the culture outside of ourselves? So when we're aware, when we're able to define what flourishing is, then we're optimizing for that. Yeah. You know, I just was, I've been working with a, a CEO who yesterday, she's like, I'm going to completely give up stress. Like I'm completely giving this up. Like 100%, I'm done with it. Like it's just because once in a while she'd like be in flourishing and then be like, oh, well, there's a project. I'm going to go like go into stress mode for like a week and just get it done. Um, well, it's like, well, there's a way of doing that in 10 days and getting it done and being in flow state and being in the zone. And like we put sometimes these false boundaries on things just because we think sometimes the extrinsic thing is the thing we really need. But Potentially, if you're really open to it and you're open to the possibility of it, you can have both. You can flourish internally and have the external thing that you know you want to hit the result on. You can have both. And most people just aren't in the belief of that. There's a like a substrate of of martyrdom, of sacrificing our physical well-being, our health, our vitality for the company or for the result or for revenue. And that's simply a, a limiting belief. And also from just energetic work, it's that people are really comfortable creating with that energy of stress. It works. It gets yeah. stuff done. So it requires some like micro testing that you can start manifesting with different energies and different things to focus on. But it really comes down to, do you want to flourish right. and trusting that you can in your heart? And in my opinion, that's going to be top down. You know, it's, it's got to come from the C-suite in a large organization to genuinely value that as an emetic structure, as an intelligence, um, because there's definitely demand for it. I mean, employees are saying that this is what they want, and it, you can't go anywhere without hearing that people are stressed and overwhelmed right now um, and wanting something different or wanting to experience a well-being, and they know it's available. So it comes down to a psychology. Yeah, so to that point, I mean, how are... So I agree with what you just said. And we know there's a, we'll call it a, a subset of leaders that are definitely pursuing that work, but how do we, or what would be your advice to the mass, you know, let's just say it's 20% of the people that are moving in that direction. Sure. Well, there's still a large, there's still a larger amount that are not there. Or maybe they're in this kind of yep. place of yep. just not know, you know, just 
just you know anyway yeah. undefined where they where they are because they're obviously producing and success on some level and they're in this there's a whole identity shift and there's a there's a whole to your point there's a there's a lot of uncertainty a lot of fear there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of stuff there right so like what is that how do we move that how do we move more people over the line if you will from a, maybe from a c-suite level to start exploring that or be interested in that or that's know. the word exploring you know i would invite people to explore and experiment you know like have have a week period of time where you experiment working with the different energy intelligence like I, I always tell people that i'm working with you can always go back to just stressing through it i mean that's cool you can always go back to burning your adrenals and and grinding it out I and mean, that that's that works we know that it worked um works but it's not necessarily yeah right <laughs> but it's also creating a, something else which is kind of a, a a trail of of destruction you know behind um and it and it's really hard to be poised and truly objective if that's an underlying substrate in a culture of like the the outcomes and the results are more important than people's well-being well if people are flourishing and there's a commitment to the flourishing of the results simultaneously they don't doesn't need to sacrifice one for the other yeah so i would invite a leader to experiment with themselves i mean like here you are if you want your team to flourish so then give yourself permission to flourish yourself yeah. and i always like to look where people are and and see if you can really validate what you've created with the energy and intelligence you've created like most people have been able to do a lot if you're highly functioning executives it's pretty miraculous what people are able to create. Highly functioning people are able to create really great results. There's just this, this substrate that got them there. And it usually started academically. Like we stress for the test to get the A+. Plus. Yeah. And that just becomes a habit and an addiction, if you will. It's an addiction to stress. So um, then there's this flow state, and then there's you yeah. stress, and then there's spiritual ability. Um, so I just invite people to experiment. Do you want to share? Do you want to share or feel comfortable sharing some of the work that you're doing now to help to cultivate that new approach? Like, because it is a practice for like, like it does it, it requires like yes, it, yeah. Do you want to share about that or yeah, yeah? Um, you want me to share about the Mahalo method? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, that feels inclined. Yeah, that feels if that feels resonant. Yeah, I'd love to share about the Mahalo method. There's, there's really a few intentions of the Mahalo method. One, it's the healing modality, right? So the healing modality is to help people find emotional and mental congruence. So wherever we have biases, philias and phobias, we're, we're going to have fears and seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And that will be where we have addiction. Anytime we're synthesizing those, we're, we're healing. So at the baseline level, the Mahalo method helps people with that. So that will create more heart openness, more mental objectivity, more clarity of mind. That in another level, it's a manifestation tool. It's to be able to be clear on what it is that you want and not just creating it from your mind and then action. So the mind then tells the body what to do. It would be getting the mind and the heart and the body to be congruent with what it is that you're wanting, whatever the objective is. It could be a revenue number. It could be a culture objective. It could be a project that people want to manifest. But when the mind, the heart, and the body are all a yes to it, and it's in present time, 
the energy and the emotion starts to shift in a person, really start to feel comfortable having that result. Um, as opposed to the previous way of doing it would be to feel uncomfortable not having that result and use invalidation, the invalidation of not having it to like push us from behind to then quest for the thing that we want to get in the future. So it brings us into more of a present time awareness. We become congruent with that reality. And then the action we take is of, well, this is just what I want. And so you're doing the things more congruently with hitting that outcome. It just becomes easier to hit objectives. And then at another level, Mahalo Method is a spiritual tool to help you awaken your mind, body, and spirit to, let's just call them your sacred gifts, your sacred spiritual gifts, or your innate human gifts that are dormant because um, they might have been suppressed in childhood. Like someone might have a tremendous capacity for energy and vitality, but you know, when they were a kid that was pushed down by mom or dad or teacher or whatever. It's it's activating these innate capacities and just like to call them geniuses that people have them both in their human capacity, emotional capacity, mental capacity, spiritual capacity. We have geniuses in all of these different domains. So on the high end of the practice, it's to help people activate those gifts. Awesome. Well, I can personally attest we've we've done some 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 you know fun experiments with this, just trying it in different things. Yeah. And I've fun. I can speak to the I can speak to the experience that it, it has been very positive. And uh, I would encourage yes. other leaders and, and uh listeners on here to check to check out the work if they feel so inspired or inclined or, or mm-hmm. interested in that process. Um so yeah. to that point, Jay, how can how can people that are listening here learn more about your work, connect with you, you know? interact with more of the content that you're creating and what you're building. Sure. Um, jakemerriman.com or mahaloacademy.com. Either way works. Yeah. Amazing. Well, again, for, for all the audience here, uh, I can only say the highest things about Jake. He's one of my dear friends uh, and trusted, trusted tribe. So I'm really honored that you joined us today, brother. And uh, as always, I'm here as a big advocate of you and your work too. So, Thanks, Derek. Appreciate your time. It's nice speaking with you, man.